Welcome to the Business of Dance podcast, where we discuss business growth, dance education, creating your dream business, and falling in love with your studio all over again. Now, here's your host, business coach, educator, and owner of Dance Energy Studios, Claire O'Shea. Hi everyone, my name is Claire O'Shea and welcome back to another episode of the Business of Dance podcast. Today I have with me another fierce and fabulous guest on the show. In this episode, I will be interviewing Alicia Jonas and Alicia is the director of Music and Dance Studio and is also the creator of her coaching business, The Confident Dance Studio. Alicia is a business strategist for performing arts, yoga, and fitness studio owners, and her method within her business is a combination of strategy, systems, and mindset. She works with studio owners to align their work with who they are and what they want, streamlining systems, creating marketing strategies, and digging deep into their goals to create more income, build an unstoppable team, or get more customers while leaving them with more time, more confidence, and less stress. So a little bit about Alicia. Alicia stepped into dance at the age of three and has never looked back. After pursuing dance and business degrees, she made her living in dance through her experience as a professional modern dancer and teacher. In 2006, she added a role as dance studio owner and is now using her experience to assist other studio owners as a business coach. As a wife of 15 years and mom of three sons, 10 and under, she recognizes the importance of creating intelligent systems and structures that help your studio run efficiently and keep it growing while giving you the ability to step away to spend time with your loved ones. It is her mission to help every studio owner to find that freedom within their own business. So I'm super excited to interview and get to know Alicia on the podcast today. So let's dive straight into the show. We are thrilled to announce an exciting opportunity for dance studio and dance business owners. Starting May 6th, 2019, Claire will be hosting a live four-week mini coaching program called Studio Grow and Glow. With this course, Claire will be taking on a handful of studio owners and dance entrepreneurs just like you and supplying them with the essential information, easy to implement practical steps to give your studio the kickstart it needs to grow. In this course, you will learn how to refine and redefine your studio goals, getting your team on track and on board, how to run your studio on autopilot, and master your marketing plan. Early bird signups start April 1st to April 9th, where you will be eligible to receive a 50% discount. From there, the course will be available at full price from April 9th to May 1st. To learn more and secure your spot on the waiting list, head on over to www.claireoshaycoaching.com slash grow and glow. So thank you so much for joining me today, Alicia. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. People who follow me uh, on Instagram might have noticed we were meant to connect last week, but unfortunately due to a power outage, we had to reschedule. So thank you so much again. I've been really excited to talk to you. No worries. No worries. I'm <laughs> glad we, we figured it out. No problem. Yes. Yes, we did. So I followed your online business and your Instagram account, which I love, by the way, for a little while now and really love all of the content you've created and released. So can you tell me and the audience a little bit more about what inspired you to, you know, get started with your studio arts and motion? So you did mention to me that you took over from this business and how has it transformed into what it is today? So maybe how did you make it more your business? Well, um, it's kind of a funny story because I did kind of come into studio ownership 
a little bit by accident. So I got a, uh, I was working as a dancer and a teacher and I got a call kind of out of the blue one day from a studio owner that I knew who was, who was hoping to kind of transition out of studio ownership. And, and this was someone that, that I really admired. I really knew that she was a smart businesswoman. I really knew that she had a great studio already built that was very much in line with my personal philosophy and, and my personal style of, of teaching and educating kids. So I was very interested. I met with her. I, it felt really good. And it just, it was like a match made in heaven. We, we, um, she worked at the studio kind of collaboratively with me for about two years oh. and, and trained me in everything that she knew, but she was totally, uh, encouraging and confident in my abilities to change whatever I wanted or to um, do do more things as far as bringing in more technology. So one of the first changes that I did was I added online registration, which now is, you know, that's pretty much a no brainer. You got to have that. But way, way back in 2006, that was kind of a new thing. So that was one of the first things that I brought into the studio was like, trying to figure out, okay, how can we make this easier for parents? How can we make this easier for me? And so I was very lucky to have her, have her mentorship and her encouragement and support through all of that. And then really, I haven't made a ton of changes other than we've just keep adding more, more technology and trying to figure out how can we make things easier, better, um, more convenient for our customers and for people who are trying to find us. So you know, incorporating more systems and automation and things like that. But she really did have a great core philosophy and culture established. So for me, it was really easy to just kind of take that and run with it. So I was really lucky to find that. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And also so special that you found someone who really kind of encouraged you. I know like a lot, I hear a lot of good stories about people taking over from businesses. And I also hear a lot of like, not horror stories, but uncomfortable stories, I guess, where, you know, it, it doesn't end up being a right fit and the, the new owner is a clash with the old owner's sort of, you know, way of thinking. And so it, it really takes the other parents a long time to settle in. So it's really nice to hear when it works really well as well. And knowing that she had a lot set up and so it made your job as the new owner a, a lot more smooth. Right. And I would say, you know, it, it was smooth from a business owner sense, like from mm, okay. me and her, it was smooth between me and the customers, um, who were so attached to her, so used to her, you know, I was 25 at the time and, and she was yeah. in her fifties. So they had had her for quite a while and they didn't know me. I wasn't, hadn't been a teacher there. I had never even subbed there before. So it was a little bit of a transition and not everybody was cool with it. Not everybody wanted to stick around with me, but luckily enough trusted me and I learned fast enough that I was able to sustain and transition into it without seeing a huge, you know, a huge drop off or having to start from scratch. So yeah, it, it worked out thankfully. Yeah. And that's, I guess, good to clarify as well, that it was simple on one side, but I guess there's never a perfect situation. I don't think anyone's ever walked into a new business and gone like, this is amazing. Like the end, no problem. <laughs> always going to be a few like teething issues, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree. I, I really enjoy listening as well to someone who took over an established business because, you know, I do, um, most of the people I, I've spoken to or like, 
coach, they started it themselves. So there was a big sort of, I guess, learning period of how to actually get that all up and running. But if there was already something established, it's, it's like a, like a different way to approach it really, isn't it? Which is really interesting. Yeah. I mean, it did have, there was a lot of good structures. So Mm. you Mm. had a performance team in place. She had a great culture established. She had, um, you know, things in place so that I wasn't having to be like, okay, well, what do I do? How do I decide on tuition? How do I decide on a schedule Mm. that works for our families? It was just already there and I could make little tweaks and things like that. But, um, yeah, that, that was a a good thing to have in place. And I, Mm. I think, you know, as having to start this, this coaching business myself, you know, I was like, Oh, well, what do I do here? What do I do here? There was a lot Mm. more, uh, a lot more of a learning curve for starting from scratch than there was taking over. Um, just, just in different, different ways. Yeah. Absolutely. But really still interesting. I just love hearing different stories. But with that in mind as well, aside from your dance studio, you also have a coaching business. And so could you tell us our listeners a little bit more about the Confident Dance Studio and really what inspired you to start coaching online as well as create all the services and wonderful programs you now provide to you know studio owners, I assume are probably around the globe, not just in the States. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, of course, I'll talk about that. So um, the Confident Dance Studio actually started as a curriculum company. I had We had a great children's curriculum that I was looking to, I knew that other studio owners could benefit from, and I was looking to um, sort of expand that. And then I went through all of the process of, of creating this, of putting it online, filming the videos, creating all the resources. And then after about 15 or 18 months, I realized, you know what, I'm kind of bored with this. I don't really know if this is what I want to do. But I did realize through that, that I loved talking with other studio owners. I love solving their problems. I really love talking about marketing and strategy. So that's kind of what I do. I really focus on the marketing and the strategy piece, although I can help with, with other things. That's kind of where my focus lies. So I have, you know, courses and coaching programs and things like that, as well as a Facebook community where I can give, you know, free content to studio owners who are looking to streamline and scale and get a a few more tools under their belt as far as building a studio that they love that gives them freedom so they're not at their studio, you know, seven days a week. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, that's really, really, really wonderful. And I love all of the stuff that I've seen you release. And I'm particularly also very um, interested in all of your little episodes on IGTV. So has that been working well for you? I don't know. I don't know if it's been working well for me. Um, I do feel like I like giving little actionable short tips Mm. um, rather than like a full fledged video. I do like doing those quick things. I find that it's easy for people to consume. It gives them just like a quick bit of information and a quick win. If they can't sit and watch a you know, a full Facebook live or sit through a webinar mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, it does give them a couple bits of knowledge, but yeah, you know, it is hard, another piece of content to keep up with that. Yes. I, I, you know, I struggle with consistency and balancing. So, mm-hmm. um, you might find like, I'll, I'll upload a bunch and then I'll take a little break and then I'll upload a bunch and take a little break. Yeah. But you know, that's, that's okay. okay. It could be like a series, <laughs> like series one, and then you take a break. Series two. <laughs> I just find 
it's really interesting when they introduce or to any app or anything, particularly as a, as a dance studio owner as well, it's really interesting to watch like how you can incorporate them into your business and whether it's actually beneficial. So I like to trial and test things as well, but I've only recently started doing some IGTV stuff, but I saw when I was having a look at your Instagram that you've had, you know, quite a few episodes, but like you said, I think it is really cool that they're short and sweet and you can consume them while you're just on the app versus it sending you to YouTube or whatever. So it's, it's right, very interesting. Right. Yeah. 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 And I, I feel like it is easier for me to come up with, with little quick bits um, than it is for me to, you know, yeah, to plan a full Facebook live or plan a full webinar. So, or, or write a blog post. Like obviously IGTV mm. is, is great because you can just get it out there, get it out there quickly and, and people can start watching it. Right. Yeah. Well, if you're anything like me, you can talk for about 15 minutes from one dot point. So, um, <laughs> I, that is, it's good. Yeah. You don't have to do as much planning and you can just kind of just draw from what's already in your brain, which is, you know, I think, and like you said, sometimes as well, we watch these videos, which are really great, but they're, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 minutes. And then you kind of walk away as a studio owner going, Oh my God, that was so great. Oh no, where do I start? Where if it's just like one, one thing to do, well then it's like, okay, I know what to do. So that's really cool too. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like those quick wins. I like them myself. Mm. Um, so I think that that is, that is really key. And, and also keeping people so that they trust you, like they know that you're going to cut straight to the point. You're not going to be fluffy and, and give them things that, that they don't need to hear. Right. Yeah. So. And just constantly like, if you want the actual answer, go and do this. And it's like, Oh, I hate that. <laughs> um, awesome. So can you point, uh, like pinpoint uh, for yourself, like when you did start, obviously this coaching business, I imagine that you were at a point where your business is going really well and you actually had the time to start something else. So can you pinpoint an aha moment in your business when you had a breakthrough or a change of mindset with your own studio that really generated amazing results and possibly did start your love and passion, like you mentioned for marketing and strategy, was that kind of interrelated? Um, well, there's, a, there's been a couple aha moments, you know, I, I've been a studio owner for, for 13, one, wait, 13 years now, um, had to do the math. <laughs> and so there's been a lot of aha moments over the time. I mean, so one of the big aha moments happened when, and I actually said this on another podcast that I was on recently is, is my, my husband lost his job, um, for almost a year. He was out of work for about 11 months in 2010. And at the time I had, it completely shifted my view of my studio and how I needed to, uh, be all in inside my studio. So, um, before I had been like, Oh, you know, the studio is going, okay. Um, yeah, we're, we're really working hard on growing, even though I can't quite figure it out. I'm just doing everything I know but he's the stability. He can carry the weight if I can't pay myself. Um, so, so it's okay. But then when that, that change happened, that was an overnight shift to be like, Hey, I really have to make this work. I really have to figure this out. Or is it time to cut my losses and go back and get a, a regular job and work for somebody else? So that's when I really dove into personal development and really developed my love for, for learning and connecting with other studio owners and, and learning how we can all, you know, push each other to be better. And then it's okay to ask for help. 
Um, and then once I got through that, when I was looking to, to, to maybe create this other business, you know, I, I, I was always like, okay, well, I need to be able to give myself, create that time, create that, those structures so that I can not be at my studio every single day so that I don't have to be in the classroom and I don't have to be there managing things. So I, I hired more people and then we incorporated, you know, systems and automation and things like that, mm. all in ways to, to serve our customers better, but also get more done and, and build in the accountability. Um, so that's how I am able to do this other thing because I, I put those structures in place. If I didn't have those things in place, if I had still was still trying to do all the admin work myself, if I was still not holding people accountable or didn't have a, a system in place for what needs to get done every single day, then I, there's no way I'd be able to do this or do this at the level that I, that I would like to do it at, right? Yeah. Awesome. And that totally makes sense. But like you said, I guess for some people as well, you do need to have a goal in mind for where you want to take your business or sometimes like the pressure really is what can make it work. Like that would have been so stressful at the time when your husband lost his job. But I guess, like you said, you really just, you had two options. You could make it work or you would have had to go find another job. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that's really cool. And obviously like well, I assume at the time you would, you preferred to keep the studio going. And then that was just sort of how you put that focus into making it work. So that's really good to hear. Yeah. And, and I, and it was, it was scary. Like for sure. We had a a little guy and I took some big risks. I relocated the studio at that time. Our, our building that we were in was completely caving in on itself. And I could see that that was detrimental to the business. You know, customers didn't want to come to that building there was like a scary back hallway bathroom that was shared with everybody else in the building that what felt dangerous. And so I could see that it was a turnoff. So I could, I knew that it was like my back was against the wall. First I had to move my business and, and build out a new space, but then I also had to figure out how to make it sustainable and how to make it grow. And so there was a lot of things that happened. You know, I, I moved, I hired more staff, I hired more teachers, even though I didn't know like where the money was coming from or if it was going to work. Um, you know, luckily it all panned out. Um, mm. and, and I don't know if it was just cause it had to, I had no other choice. I knew in my mind that this had to work. Um, but yeah, it was, it was scary at the time. Turned out fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can look back years later and say, you know, Oh, just, it was just fine. We just moved the studio. It was no big mm. deal, but yeah, but it, it was very, very, um, like, we're like, oh crap, <laughs> what happens yeah. if this doesn't work? Yeah, exactly. And you know what? It, it, like you said, it was a risk and I guess it could have gone either way, but obviously mm-hmm. the things that you did really tipped it in the way that it was meant to go in the, the best way. So, and like you said, if you, I feel like with so many things as well, if you know in your gut, like you would have had a gut feeling like I can make this work and, or like you said, you, you knew you had to move the studio. It wasn't the easiest choice and often they aren't the easiest choices, but I do find that to be honest, most people have the answers already within them. They just don't sort of tune into them. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, so. I so agree. I so agree that, that your you know, your intuition will tell you what's the right choice. And sometimes we fight it, um, but I think it's something that always comes back to you. 
And if you just sit and give yourself the space to, to reflect on it, you'll, you'll get the answer to whatever question. And, and that's a big, that's a big mindset thing that, that I like to, to talk to about with studio owners is like, you know, the answer, like there's been times where I should hire someone and I didn't hire them right away. And they came back to me <laughs> and I hired them the second time around because I, I missed my chance. Same thing with, with trying new programs or, um, you know, maybe like I relocated a third time since, um, since that, that 2010 move. And so I think you, things will come to you, but sometimes we just need to, to talk to somebody, talk it out and get that reassurance. Absolutely. And I, oh, I find that for myself too. And if, even if, if it's not with a coach or a business person that sometimes I'll sit there and I'll just like talk, talk, talk to my partner or like one of my best friends. And then I like, I, blah, 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 and then I'll get to the end and be like, oh yeah. So I think, yeah, you're right. That's what I should do. And often they'll go, uh, like I didn't say anything and I'll be like, Ugh. or like, if I can't actually speak to anyone, I found like actually just recording myself, just talking out the situation, really kind of weighing out both points. And then by the time I get to the end, I'm going like, oh my God, this is ridiculous. And then I go, I already know the answer. And then I'll just delete the message. Yeah. I guess yeah. Just being able to sort of make it heard, I guess, like putting it out there. And like, if you're not recording it, it seems weird just to talk out loud to yourself, even though that's just as weird. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I've, I have found just, yeah, you, and you talk with yourself around in circles, but you, you do know, and that's, you know, like you said, working with clients, a lot of clients I work with as well, like they go, Oh, well, what do you think? And then I'll go, okay, well, let's just, you know, talk, talk, talk. And you can clearly hear what they want to do. And it's, you go, okay, well, when you're saying this, you're saying this. And they go, oh, yeah. And it's like, oh. So sometimes we just need uh, maybe a little push from somebody else just to really make us feel okay in our decision, If I, and, which I totally get. I do the same thing sometimes. You just need that validation, I guess. Yeah. And I, and I totally think that sometimes when we're fighting our, our intuition, it's, it's not because it's the, right, it's the wrong answer. It's because maybe our intuition is telling us something that it's going to be hard. Like mm. maybe, maybe letting go of an employee is going to be really hard and really uncomfortable, but it's the right decision. Yeah. Or maybe, um, you know, spending that money and building out that third studio. Yeah. That's going to be a big investment, a big expense. And you don't know if it's going to work, but it's the right decision for your business. So, so just because your intuition is fighting you or you're fighting that feeling, it doesn't mean it's wrong. It just mean, maybe means that there's going to be some hurdles along the way to get through, to get to that right answer. Absolutely. And sometimes like, for instance, I've started a new location and it's been really quiet to start off with. And I like, it would have made more sense for me to like close it up pretty quick but I was just like, no, like I have a feeling this is going to work. Like I know it's going to work and everyone will be like, well, and obviously it doesn't, it runs probably in the red for the first, you know, month or two months or term. And then you just, you slowly start to see a few wins and then it does start to get to the point where you're like, oh, see, like, no, I, I knew. But at the time you go like, oh, it, it does make more sense to close um, or just, you know, don't, not offer that extra location or whatever, but it is, like you said, you just, you sometimes get a feeling and sometimes it's harder listening to it. 
than it is just kind of doing maybe the most logical thing. Right. Right. And, and sometimes I think we let logic rule when Mm. we need to just kind of listen more with our heart. Um, you know, like if I had to listen to logic and listen to, um, my, my, my brain, it would have stopped me from a lot of great things that have happened. It would have stopped me from a lot of, um, you know, investing money in things or would have stopped me from reaching out to make new connections with people or trying that new event in my studio because I didn't know if it would work. Um, but you know, sometimes you just have to follow, follow that heart thing. And, and if it doesn't work out, it's a learning lesson, you know, either way you're going to learn something from it. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's maybe the, the biggest thing to hang on to at the end of the day. Um, as well as like, you know, no one, no one, no one will be hurt by this, you know, it's going to be okay. Um, so just kind of really, really sort of scaling down, I guess, what the worst possible outcome could be. Cause sometimes I think people get panicked and they go, Oh, like this is going to happen and this will happen and this will happen. And then this is all like, it'll all be over. And I'm like, really, if you actually think about it, the actually worst thing that could happen is maybe you feel a little bit embarrassed. You might, you might lose a little bit of money or, you know, and you sort of sometimes actually seeing what the worst thing could possibly be does actually help you move forward as well, which is interesting, I guess. But that's sometimes not that I like to focus on what the worst thing is, but sometimes people really need to address it to be able to move on, which I find really interesting as well. Right. Yeah. Keeping a healthy perspective as to what, mm. what's the worst thing you close. Okay. Mm. So what then, what, what mm. happens then? You know, you go yeah. get another job or you, you try something new, you know, you, it mm. all, all are, are, your journey is, is yours alone. And it's whatever happens is you're meant, you're meant to experience. That's, that's yeah. my perspective on it. So, mm. um, you might as well go for it. You have a 50-50 chance, right? You have a 50-50 yeah. chance of, of it, it succeeding or it failing. Um, so, yeah. so I don't know why, why we kind of focus on the failure side more often than the, the success mm, side. Exactly. Um, so on your website as well, I noticed that you host a yearly mastermind program called Amplify, which is so cool. So how do you feel that mastermind groups maybe differ from a coaching program or maybe even like a course? And how do you find them really beneficial to studio or, you know, dance studio owners specifically? Oh, this, I am so excited about this. Um, so mastermind groups are like my favorite way to, to grow, to develop even myself um, mm. because rather than working one-on-one, which is great. I, I love working one-on-one with, with mm. studio owners because you can really dive in specifically all the, all the focus is on them. Yeah. Um, but when you're in a mastermind group, it's, it's a meeting of, of the minds, basically you're, you're yeah. collectively gathering everyone's experience, everyone's, um, strengths, everyone's tools, knowledge, connections all together in one single place. And so it's really maximizing your experience and the value that you can gain. So it's not just about me providing, you know, the knowledge, it's everyone sharing all of their knowledge. So I am learning from them as well as they're learning from each other. And so it's really nice that, and and this has been my experience in a mastermind myself is that, that one person can have an idea or have a challenge and then then there's somebody who has an idea on how to solve that challenge. And then we're kind of riffing off each other and coming up with as many different ways and as many different angles, as many different strategies as we can 
to kind of solve this person's challenge and, and ultimately get them to the place that they want to get in their business. And it's like, everyone is working with each other's best interest in mind. We get to know each other's businesses. And so, and you don't do that in a course, right? In a course, you're, you're in the course. You don't really connect with the other people unless you maybe have an accountability buddy. Um, or if it's a self-paced course, you're in there all alone. <laughs> it's like you're in the ocean by yourself. Um, and no one's holding you accountable and no one's making sure you get the work done. Whereas a mastermind, like we're all, we all lift each other up. We all check in with you, with each other. We, it's, there's that cone of silence where you can really trust that, that yeah. whatever you talk about is going to be, to be private. And it's, it's like your tribe. And, and when you have those relationships and the people that you can rely on and you could just call up and say, Hey, you ran that promotion for back to school last year. What did you do? How did it work? Tell me everything. That is, that's great that you can have somebody that you can call because, you know, when we're, when we're running a studio by ourselves, we don't often have those people that we can reach out to, let alone a group of people to ask those questions to, and, and to dig into their businesses and see what worked for them. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree tenfold. I've had, yeah, like you said as well, different experiences, all different types of programs, uh, doing courses by myself and doing them with other people. And I've also been in like a smallish mastermind, which was really interesting. And I think that collaboration is the most exciting element. I don't know whether you agree, but do you find, um, I, well, I have found it's maybe more beneficial when you're at a certain stage or do you have certain levels or do you kind of divide everyone up or is everyone mixed together? How do you find it works best? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I would not necessarily recommend a mastermind to a brand new studio mm -hmm. owner. Yeah. Um, just because I, I like to, you know, I like everyone to contribute and everyone to yeah. take kind of equally. Um, you know, you don't want to be the smartest one in the room, but you don't want to be way behind because you might not be ready for what the, the information that everyone else is sharing. Mm. You know, that's just, that's just my perspective. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're, if you're new at, at being a studio owner, I think, you know, there's plenty of courses and programs and, and membership sites that you can yeah. look into that you still get value from. You'll still get value yeah. from, from free resources, things like that. Um, but when you are just a little bit further along, I think you'll have a little bit more experience that you can, can contribute and that you can take, um, and apply. You won't be so overwhelmed. So that's, that's my thought on that. Yeah. And I agree as well, but I guess I was just interested to see what your thoughts are. And I actually have seen uh, a couple of in a different industry, but, uh, masterminds dependent on like, uh, income or dependent on like business years experience, which I find inter interesting. So, you know, it was quite a broad range, like between, you know, zero and three years. And then they had one for like four to eight years. And I was, it was just interesting to see how they grouped them in stages. And it was, you know, obviously within that, there'd be people with different variations as well. But I was just interested to know what your thought was, but I agree that I think, if you're a new studio owner or possibly as well, if you've never done any form of professional development, it would be a good idea either to, you know, do a course or a program or even maybe like a one-on-one -on -one coach for a little while until you feel like you're at a place where you, ha you, you sort of settled enough in your own business that you can really like apply new things without it being overwhelming and also 
contribute to others. Totally, totally, totally. And, you know, who's to say at three years, you're going to have X, Y, Z done. Mm, and who's to say at five years, you're going to have X, Y, Z done, you know, or yeah. you're going to be at a certain, at, when you have a certain income level, you're going to be, have all of this achieved. I think that's a little bit tricky, mm. but I have heard about, about, you know, business coaches in other industries that do, do do that just as a way to, to separate, you know, yeah. you know, the millionaires from the, the six figure earners and, and yeah. so on. So I, yeah. I can kind of understand it, but as far as the yearly, like how many years of experience, I don't really know how you could, could quantify what, what are, there's no manual for what you're supposed to do in your first year. So that yeah. makes it a little bit tricky. Yeah, absolutely. I a hundred percent agree. And similar to what you said, like you took over a studio that was already established. So do you include that in the amount of years, you know what I mean? Or are you, are you a new studio owner? It's really, I think our industry is possibly a little different. I just was interested in hearing your thoughts on it. Um, But I also saw from the different services and programs, and like I said, watching some of your videos, that's really obvious to me that you're also a huge systems lover like myself. What area do you find people need the most help systemizing or maybe struggle a little bit to systemize within their studio the most? For me, I don't know if you've found this, Claire, but for me, I feel like people struggle with the whole inquiry process, like mm. the customer journey from that very first touch base all the way through, you know, maybe an introductory class or a conference through like the follow-up. I think yeah. that all of that part can be really tricky and overwhelming. And, and it's so crucial to get that down because that is your first impression to mm. a potentially new student. Um, so I think that that is something that's very crucial. And depending on who's handling it, it could be a totally different experience for that, that inquiry uh, family, you know, depending on if it's you answering the phone or if it's your admin returning the email and what do they say in the email? What kind of questions do they ask? It can be Mm -hmm. totally um, different. And, And so my whole thought is let's systemize it. Let's make it the same experience for every single person. Let's make it um, really nurturing, absolutely really build trust, really make it easy for both sides. Um, so that's kind of what I have found. Yeah, absolutely. I would a hundred percent agree. And I would also add that I do think most people have to get over the initial hurdle of, you know, systemization or automation being not personal because it totally can be. And well, it can be personal enough that it still feels personal without you having to do, you know, 50 emails a day. Um, so that has been a sort of a challenge that I've worked with a couple of people. And it's just interesting speaking to, to other studio owners as well, I guess, about their thoughts behind it. And then the other thing I would find people struggle with in general is just like knowing where to start. You know, you go, okay, well, I'm going to systemize or I'm going to create processes in my business. But then they go, uh, like, how do I do that? So just maybe like the concept itself can sound really overwhelming, but I always just say to people, just pick a spot and start there and then work. But I often always say, let's look at like maybe the three biggest important areas, for instance, like enrollment, um, you know, like the inquiry sort of process once they've enrolled and then nurturing your current members or, you know, for an example, and then let's create the steps and just sort of break it down where um, I do find, like you said, that some people go, Oh, but I really like, I like doing this part. And so they just, they seem 
a bit overwhelmed by how to actually create the processes. But I think it, like you mentioned, so valuable to get it down and written so that it can help you if you want to continue to do it, or you can pass it on to someone else knowing that your voice is still within that and you're feeling really comfortable in how it's being dealt with. Oh, I so, I so agree. And I think, you know, when you're thinking about where to get started, yes, just, just pick a place, pick an area and then think about what is the most time consuming or the most um, confusing or disorganized part of this area is the most time consuming part. The phone calls is the most time consuming part creating the emails. Well, Mm. let's figure out how to, minimize that little bitty section of that part and then we just work through the rest of it um it's all about like freeing up time incrementally or or Mm. or organizing it incrementally so that you're seeing more quick wins i think when you first start it Mm. really motivates you to keep going yeah and like it does take time to set it up at when you start but the amount of time it saves you once it's set up is just um, crazy. And I, uh, as well, uh, adding onto your point that, like you said, the time, the time element is important. Like find what way you're not wasting, where you're spending your most time. Or, or I also ask people like, what do you like doing the least? Like what really do you put off or what do you hate doing the most? And then try and figure out a way to get rid of that or at least reduce it for people so that they feel you know, that helps them feel accomplished as well. And that's just a little tip. Yes, I I I totally agree. Uh (laughs) Now, as I mentioned in your intro and as I've seen on your Instagram, you have an adorable three boys, which must keep you very busy. But what I wanted to ask you as well is what is your biggest mindset or the strategies you implement to, and I say this in quotation marks, balance, you know, motherhood, a studio, as well as your coaching business? Oh, this is, I love this question because really like what is balance? Like you said, yeah. quotation marks, um, <laughs> what is balance? I, I, it's, it's tricky. Yes, I do have three boys. I have a very loud household. Um, but I think that, oh, it's, there are seasons to both businesses. And yeah. for me, like when it's recital season in the studio, I'm really spending a majority of my time focusing on those things. When it's back to school season at the studio, I'm really spending a majority of my time on those things. Um, but when I'm launching a new program or when I'm maybe traveling or hosting a retreat or something like that, like my a majority of my time is spent on my coaching business. And then mm. you know, I try to, to have systems in place in both businesses. Like I have teams for both businesses that really are a great support that I delegate a lot to. Um, and I have a great support at home. You know, my husband is a great support system. He, he has never asked me to, to, you know, spend more time at home or, or questioned how I'm spending, you know, how, if I'm spending more time at home versus spending more time on either of my, my businesses. So I think that having great support, having a team that you can delegate to first and foremost is, is key, but I also think understanding that there are going to be seasons of your business. You know, when you're in comp season or when you are getting ready for a show or when you are um, maybe gearing up for nationals or uh, back to school or a Christmas show or something like that for your studio, yes, you're going to be busier. So try to find those moments when things are less hectic to to have those dinners at home or to, and you know, it's, it's quality, not quantity to me. Yeah. 
And I try to do as much as I can when I know those things, those busy times are coming up to, to spend extra time with my kiddos, to, you know, make sure that the fridge is stocked, to try to get ahead on the laundry or, or do things around the house so that I feel a little bit less guilty or a little bit less uh, chaotic in my mm. mindset about not being home. Right. So that's yeah. kind of, I don't know if, if for whatever you can take from that, but that's kind of how I, I justify, I say, okay, there's going to be seasons to both businesses. I'm yeah. just doing the best I can at any given moment. And, and I'm just trying to, to keep myself happy and know that, that I do need to see my kids that, to feel um, fulfilled and feel rejuvenated. And so that's what I try to prioritize as much as possible. Yeah. And like I, like you said, it's, I think it's nice to hear as well from people who are in it or, you know, maybe gotten through a certain stage. Like obviously your, your boys are, you know, they're still little, but they're not babies anymore. So that may be like a different season and, you know, maternity leave is also a different point. And it's just, I think it's really important. I try and talk about it. Well, because one, I don't have kids, so it's not something that's on my mind a lot, but I know for a lot of um, my clients and people who listen to the podcast, like that is their life. And so it's also interesting hearing from people who are currently in that situation. And like, for instance, I hope to be in that situation one day, but it does actually sometimes freak me out a little bit because I do see so many comments and posts and things on Facebook, like, my kids never saw me and, you know, now they resent me and I'm like, whoa, like it can be so stressful and overwhelming and it does kind of panic me. So I like to ask people who I feel like are doing an awesome job. And obviously there's days where everyone feels like, well, this isn't working or, you know, I'm feeling overwhelmed today, but it's really um, interesting for me to hear that, like you said, sometimes different areas of your life are a priority. Like there'll be days where it's family days, there'll be days when it's studio days, there'll be days when it's coaching days and that's okay as well. Yeah. And, and I would say that I'm not a master at this. I, there are still days that I feel guilty about guilty of being at home, guilty about being at work or, um, so it still is like a constant thing, but one thing that I really have to have learned to let go, I think, and maybe this is just as I've gotten older and been more, um, experienced in my, in my, my businesses and as a studio owner is that, you know, lots of my team members don't have kids. And I think that sometimes like, I feel like I was coming from a place of, I have to go to work because I have to prove to my staff that, I'm, I'm in it a hundred percent, which I am in it a hundred percent. Um, so I'm sacrificing spending time with my kids because I need to prove to my staff, you know, they expect me to be there and so on. But what I've learned is like, they don't have kids. They don't quite, while they can empathize, empathize, they might not quite get what that feeling of being away from your kids and missing out on your kids growing up feels like exactly. Yeah, and so absolutely. I, I had to be like, you know what? They might not like it 100% of the time. Um, yeah, they might prefer to see me there every single day, but this is how it, how it needs to be for me to be hmm. the best studio owner and best mom and, and things that, that I can be. And that's the only way that I'm going to be happy is if I know that I'm not missing out on my kids' events and I know that I'm 
having dinner at home once in a while. And I, mm. um, you know, and, and so I kind of, and I don't know if that's, um, helpful at all, but I no, feel absolutely. like I, totally is. I had to kind of let go of that guilt and that feeling like, oh, I have to meet my staff's expectations. I have to meet my customer's expectations because really the only person's expectations that I have to meet are my own mm. and then my kids. Right. Yeah. So, um, there, that was a big shift and that was, um, that's been kind of a process over the last few years. You know, I've been yeah. a mom for 10 years now, so it's, it's, mm-hmm. it hasn't come overnight for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, well, I just find listening to anyone's point of view valuable for anything, but I think it's really good to hear that, you know, your studio still works really well and you are able to run another business. So it is possible. And I think that that little bit of hope makes people kind of go, Oh, you know, it's going to be okay versus the people that tell you like, Oh, you'll never, I don't know why people feel the need to make it seem so awful, but I do see some comments and things on threads in Facebook and I I shouldn't read them. (laughs) I do. (laughs) And I go like, Oh no, like some people make it feel awful. And I, well, for me, I know that it's possible now because like I don't go into the studio every day. So, and I don't have kids. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, I can make this work. So I'm sure when I enter the next stage of my life, I can make that work. But I do find that some people, I don't know whether it's just like a, they just want to share their experience, which is totally fine because it is their experience. But yeah, I just, I'm always interested to hear from people as well who are making it work. And like, I use that because I don't want to make you feel like you have, it's no, it's never perfect. Like you said, there's days where you feel like, Oh, you know, bummed about this or this isn't working and that's totally fine too. But mm-hmm. it's really nice to hear from um, someone who, you know, obviously you do feel like you see your kids a lot and that's very important. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you are living up to what your expectations are and sort of prioritizing what you want out of your life versus worrying so much whether the parents see you at the studio all the time or not. Right. And, and I think that, and if you're in that spot where you're at the studio every night, you're at every single competition, you're at every single, you're responding to every single email, you're personally doing every phone call. Like you, it might be time if you're, if you're wanting to get out of that role, it's, you can slowly start to shift those parent expectations, but it has to come from you, right? You have to stop answering every email. You have to stop returning every phone call. You have to stop going in every night. And so I think over time that expectation will shift, but you know, it, it it does take a little bit. Right. And so you just have to, you have to decide like, okay, I'm every Thursday, I'm leaving the studio at five o'clock and then I'm going home and I'm not checking my email. I'm not checking my Facebook messenger Mm. because I need that one night so I, I would, that would be my encouragement is if, if you're in that spot, like figure out where you can start to let go of some of those things and, and do something for yourself. Um, yeah. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. I would say like anything drastic is going to cause issues. So if you're just like, well, now I've gone from being there six days a week, but I'm only going to go one day and not do any admin stuff. Well, that's going to create some issues because there's going to be, you know, a really, hardcore transition. But like you said, if you start leaving earlier on one night or don't go in on a particular day or only go in on that day once a month or, you know, slowly start to hand off emails to a VA or an admin person, like it can be a slow transition. Obviously people still love you and love want to see you. And that's lovely, 
but they'll get used to it. And to be honest, you get to a point as well where you figure out, well, they actually love that teacher more and they like this admin person better because they are more efficient than I was doing everything at once. So it can be a little bit of a, um, like an ego thing, I think as well, because it does feel a little bit sad that at first people go like, oh, you know, we only want you. And that's like, oh, that feels so special. And then it's like, well, actually, just kidding. We really like this person now. <laughs> and then but that's, something to be, that's something to be proud of as well. And that's like a transition that I've made over the last few years. And I find it's so much easier feeling like it's not all resting on your shoulders. And if it is at the moment, like you said, for listeners who are in that phase, like that is totally normal. Like people sometimes are in that phase forever, but if you are wanting to make a change, and I think that is the biggest point, like the want element, um, there is a little things that you can slowly start to hand off to get a little bit more time back to do whatever you want. And it's not, it's not, necessarily about being able to start a second business or have babies. Like if you just want to see your partner or if you want to take an art class, like, you know, it can be anything that you want to do for you. So I think it's really good to hear it from, you know, different perspectives as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, you don't, the other thing is that you don't need to justify it to anybody. Like, I feel like sometimes when we make those changes, we feel like we need to explain ourselves like, um, you know, maybe you need to tell your staff, hey, I'm not going to be, you know, coming in on this day starting now. I just need that extra time. But you don't need to say, well, I'm overwhelmed and I can't handle this. And and I want to do that, make this like you don't really need to explain yourself other than to just say, hey, this is changing. And, Mm. you know, I think that sometimes, especially women we feel like we need to have a good enough reason to make a change. Well, mm-hmm. what, there's no better reason than you and you're taking care of yourself. Right. Yeah. So that's my, that's agreed. my. Agreed. 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 Like sometimes people will be like, Oh, you know, you're not in a studio on a Monday anymore. And I'll go, no, I'm not. <laughs> and then they're like, wait. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, have a good day. And then they're just like very confused. And then some people literally go, but why? And I'll go, cause I take my dog to dog training and that's what they're literally why I do it. And I want to. So I'm like, well, that's that. And there's three amazing teachers here and a, you know, a, a, a wonderful office manager. So you, you don't really need me. And they'll just be like, Oh, we missed you on Mondays. I'm like, I'll catch you on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's really interesting. But I also have uh, one of my favorite questions that I ask my guests is maybe because I'm nosy, but that's okay. Um, for fellow business owners and studio owners. So can you tell me what does a typical day maybe contain or look like for you? Or can you walk us through some of the things you do on a daily basis for your business or life in general? So we sort of touched on a little bit how, um, you know, you have both businesses and I just always find it really interesting how people run their days. And I, I am fully aware that not every day is the same, but I just love this question. I love listening mm-hmm. to what people do. <laughs> So sure. Well, I always, you know, I have three kiddos um, that all are in school or preschool. So that's like the very first part of my day. It's, it's pretty hectic. I have one boy who, who loves to get up early. So (laughs) there's not usually any time for, for working out or or meditation in Mm -hmm. the morning. Um, So I get them off to school and then 
I come back and I do my mindset practice, which is usually like journaling or affirmations or maybe a guided meditation or something like that. And I I'll always like write out my gratitude. I really like, um, so Rachel Hollis has a start today planner that one of my team members just got me. And so part of it is writing out, always start writing out what you're grateful for. And so I love that because I find that that really reminds me like how much is going great, no matter how much mm. isn't going well, there's always plenty to be grateful for. And so I always do that. And if I don't do that in the morning, I'll do it before bed when it's kind of quieter around the house. Um, I usually do some sort of check-in with my team members. Uh, I love using Voxer for that uh, precise purpose because it is so nice. I can do a text, but I can also do a voice message. And for me, it's so much easier for me to leave a quick voice message and say, hey, can you check in on this? versus typing it on my phone because I always have typos. My thumbs hit the wrong (laughs) buttons. Um, So I usually, we have some team threads for both my studio and also my coaching business. So we'll do some, some things like that. And then I also kind of check their project management um, boards and kind of see like where they are in different tasks or follow up. Like if they need me to to look at anything, um, I'll do that. Um, one of my, my big things is trying to be consistent on social media. So I, I always have an Instagram post and I always try to keep my Insta story running as much as I can. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I, I try to check in with my Facebook group as well. Um, and then really my day is I don't have specific days that are set for studio or coaching right now. Um, Mm -hmm. I have, I have specific days that are set aside for my, my client calls. But other than that, I really just try to focus on like, what is the one thing that I need to get done today that will make the biggest difference uh, right now? And so maybe that day it is getting the show notes ready for recital. Maybe that day is getting the, the schedule done. Maybe it is reaching out to some members in my community and, and seeing, you know, if they're interested in this new program or getting that Facebook ad going or looking at my numbers so it's, it's really kind of like, what's the one thing? And that mm. really is something that, that grounds me and focuses me because I could dilly dally on my website or, or yeah. I could, you know, um, you know, spend an hour making a social media post on Canva, but really that's not going to make a big difference in my business. Yeah. You know, so that, those are things I try to, to delegate as much as I can um, so I can really stay focused on the big the big dinosaur projects, you know, the big things. Yeah, absolutely. And I find that really, really awesome to hear. I, I think with like, along with so many people as well, sometimes, and I think we all kind of fall back into, again, quote marks, bad habits, where you have like 50 things on your to-do list for that day. And it's like, really, if you get five done, you're doing well. So having, um, that one main thing that's actually going to move your business forward or make the biggest impact. And then obviously there's always those little to do's or getting back to people or helping people. So you can move other things forward. Um, but I find as well, starting your day with gratitude is such a nice way, like you said, to really kind of center yourself. Cause I feel like sometimes if we are having like a bad day or, you know, the, the week's not going the best, you just kind of start to, dwell and focus on it if that makes sense and it seems like it seems like to fester a little but where if you're always bringing yourself back to you know this might not be going right but 
look at all these other things that are going really well. It's a really nice way to kind of either, you know, start or end your day, which is really good. Yes. Yes. And I find that when I, um, when I am doing that gratitude or when I am working on my mindset regularly, that's when I have the best ideas. That's when I recognize Mm -hmm. the best opportunities. That's when I'm making more money or attracting more students to my studio. So it's not, it really, there is like actual power to it. It's not just a fluff thing. It's not just a, a woo thing. I mean, it sounds woo, but it really does work. It is powerful when you can actually like do that gratitude and, and set those intentions and expect you know, your reality to be better instead of constantly telling the story, like, I don't have enough students. I don't have enough money. How am I going to pay these bills? My, my teachers are always causing me trouble. My parents are always causing me trouble. Um, and that's part of the reason I don't go in like some of the Facebook groups a lot because I find them so overly negative that it brings my whole vibe down and, and hurts me. So I, that's, you know, that's kind of a side note. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. but but I really try to guard kind of what I'm watching on television, what I'm reading, who I'm talking to and what kind of people they are. Are they a positive person or are they a negative person? Because Mm -hmm. that affects me too. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And it does. And like you said, it's such a good point. I do find though, because sometimes some of the stuff in the groups are so great that I kind of go, Oh, I'll just like click on this and then I'll, you know, that'll make me feel good. And then I like read a comment and I'm like, Oh, why did I do that? And it's just like a, I don't know. I don't know why we do it, but it's sort of one of those things. Like you said, if it's not working for you, try and remove it. And that's probably a good point that I should take on moving (laughs) forward. Um, You did mention that you loved using Voxer, which I also adore. So that's uh, V-O-X-E-R. And it's a great app to send little voice messages. Like you said, I find it so, so simple and it is, I know you can send voice messages on text, but it doesn't seem to work as good. I don't know why. Maybe I just like the app, but aside from Voxer, what do you, do you have, what are your other favorite tech tools and resources? I also saw you liked Zoom, which we are on right now, which is awesome. And Planoli, which I don't personally use, but I know lots of people who love it. So other than that, do you have anything else that you're loving at the moment? Um, well, we use Trello a lot for the Mm. studio. Um, with my coaching business, we actually use a different kind of a project management. So my team, we use something called monday.com. Um, so it's really kind of a cool way to, to track projects and people can mark off when they're done and you can, uh, have conversations in there. You can add files, you can tag people. So I think it's a little bit similar to Slack. Um, but I just, Mm, you know, I like the layout, the, the visual of monday.com works really well for, for me where Slack Mm -hmm. and Asana, for some reason, my brain just couldn't like, couldn't process. I don't know what happened, but I just. So I like monday.com. Um, so that's one thing that, that I could recommend. Also, uh, zapier.com, Z-A-P-I-E-R, yes. is another tool that I love using for automation. So mm-hmm. pretty much if there's uh, a software that you're using, there's probably something you can do with it in Zapier. You know, So one of the triggers you could set would be um, you know, every time I share a video to my Facebook page, add it to my YouTube channel or... Um, anytime a new, you know, podcast episode is aired, share it on my Facebook page or whatever like that. Like you can Mm. do a ton of different triggers 
And as far as like for studio owners, um, there's, there's triggers for like every time someone emails you, add them to your email list or yeah. every time someone, you know, signs up for a trial lesson, add them to your email list or put them in this font, the sequence or whatever. So there's just okay. lots of fun little things to do. Yeah. My understanding, I've used it a little bit in the past. I don't not use it recently, um, but it's so good. But I, what I like sort of got from it was it was really like a connection between like a talks between softwares where like by themselves, they don't do that really. So it was kind of like a connecting thing between it, which saves you, like you said, taking that email from your email and putting in MailChimp. Like it will do, it will connect those things and start to automate it a little bit more. Yeah. It's yeah. It's like an extension cord. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A connector. Really yeah. Really exactly. awesome. So mm-hmm. I'll put that in the show notes as well. So that's, um, do you call it Zapier or Zapier? I call it Zapier, but I don't know if that's right. <laughs> mm, I don't know either, but it's, yeah, it's Z-A-P-I-E-R. Yeah. Right. Awesome. 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 Now, Alicia, thank you so much for joining me today. I have one final question for you, which is where can our listeners find you if they're interested in viewing your website or just following you or interested in your services or even your studio, if they live in your area, where can we find you basically? Give us, give us the details. All right. So my website is theconfidentdancestudio.com. Um, you can also check, uh, check in to me on Instagram. It's at Alicia J Jonas. I hang out a lot on Instagram lately, so you can definitely DM me there. Or if you are in the St. Louis area in the United States, my studio name is arts in motion school of dance and music. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you for sharing all of that wisdom and all of those little tips and tricks with our listeners. I'm sure they will find this interview very practical and enjoyable to listen to. Thanks, Claire. I had a blast. Thank you for listening to the Business of Dance podcast. For show notes and other episodes, please go to businessofdance.net slash podcast. To learn more about Business of Dance and stay up to date with all the episode releases, as well as lots of extra studio tips and tricks, please like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. If you have any questions, topic suggestions, or wish to be a guest on the podcast, please contact us at podcast at businessofdance.net. We appreciate you taking the time to rate and review us on iTunes and wish you a great day. Stay tuned for next week's episode. And until then, keep dancing your way to the business you have always desired.